This episode of Enough is brought to you by Hover.com, simple domain management. So let's say you want a new domain. You've had a great idea, a brainwave in the shower or the car, and you need to check if it's available, and fast, before you lose it. We'll go to Hover and use their search system to see if the domain is available. If it is, you just click buy and register it. Simple. But what if it's not available? What do you do then? Well, Hover provide you with relevant suggestions to help adapt your domain. They don't just add stupid words onto the front and the end. They have a super powerful domain robot that will help you to adapt it and keep it relevant. Let's say you have a great idea, but you only have some keywords without having the full domain name yet. Well, you can search using these keywords and they present you with awesome domain options that you can buy. Once you've found what you're looking for, just click through to purchase, sign up and buy. They don't offer you 25,000 upsell opportunities. They don't spam you. They give you awesome stuff instead, like free who is privacy, simple DNS management, bulk domain management as well. If you need to make things like you want to change the address on all of your domains, they give you the whole deal. Go try out HoverNow. They even have a concierge service to help you move from your current provider. They give you the whole lot with a clean, clear, simple system. And make sure you use the offer code TALLYHO when you sign up. That's T-A-L-L-Y-H-O. This will give you 10% off and it lets Hover know that we sent you, helping support 70 decibels. Hola. Hello. How are you, sir? I'm very well. How are you? Hanging in, man. Hanging in. Good. Uh, it'd be hot here. Uh, it's still hot. Still um, hot. But... Uh, you know, that's okay. We we uh, pay for the heat uh, here in Minnesota, uh, or I should say we benefit from the heat uh, because we have like a couple of weeks of this hot weather, um, and then it's like, you know, I don't know, 30 below for the rest of the year. Um. <laughs> Just extremes in Minnesota. You don't, you don't get the little normal weather. No. Uh, one of the things I love about living in Minnesota is that you really do get all four seasons. You really get spring. You really get fall. You really get summer. You really get winter. You know, that you get the, you know, the, the hot temperatures that you get in the summer, you know, at least for a little while. Then you, you know, you get the very, very, very cold weather that you can get in the winter, you know, and that autumn and spring are very, you know, autumn is very full of, you know, leaves turning beautiful colors and, uh, you know, crumpling under your shoes as you walk and all that other stuff. And spring is very flowers and bright green grass and, yeah, Uh, I mean, uh, much more so, I'd say, than other parts of the country where, like, you know, California, for instance, you, you know, if you're in Los Angeles, it's always 70 and sunny you all day, every day. levels of, <laughs> of summer every day, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, oh, well, I digress. And some people love that, and that's great. That's great for them. Me, I, I do like the, the change of seasons with fall being my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, I have gotten uh, a request or two over uh, the past, uh, you know, little while since we've been doing this uh, this show that three or four people listen to. Episode one hundred and fifty, uh, by the way, congratulations! Oh, this is one hundred and fifty. Yes. Holy cow! Well, thank you. Um, uh, that's a lot of talking. Yeah. <laughs> There's some really great shows back there. You guys should go back and listen to them. It, if would, you take a, it would take a while. It would take a while. Look at 70 odd hours, probably. Holy cow. Wow. 
we're going to stop at like 200, right? Like at 200, that's going to be like our last one. We're not going to do any more. Okay. There will be enough enoughs at that point, right? <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm being totally honest, Pat, I don't think I could ever stop you talking. <laughs> You'll be doing this show long after I'm gone. You'll just sit down every week at Tuesday at four and just talk for an hour. I'll be this old guy mumbling in the corner to himself. (laughs) We'll talk later. (laughs) We'll chat later. (laughs) Cheers. (laughs) Just a rock back and forth. (laughs) Hugging myself. (laughs) Oh, Books. Books. That's what we've gotten requests for. Books. We've gotten requests to talk about books. And I, you know... Like some of my favorite books and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, first of all, as a writer, I do a lot of reading. And I've always been a reader. And as a kid, I was a voracious reader. I read constantly. If you saw me between the ages of, say, 3 and 10, you didn't see me without a book. As a matter of fact, my face was probably planted in one. Um, you you had to interrupt me to get my attention uh, between those ages because I was always reading a book, um, and so I've read a lot. Like I I'm I'm the kid who used to read entire volumes of encyclopedias for fun, um, <clears throat> because I had nothing better to do. I have no or comment. cereal boxes. Gosh, I love, I love cereal boxes. <laughs> or last night, my wife was giving me crap because uh, uh, we were in the pool and we've got a. Uh, a beach ball that is a globe. And I spent a good 20 minutes staring at the globe, reading all of the country names and city names and like, Oh wow. I guess I didn't really realize it was quite there. Oh wait, no, it's just printed wrong. Why did they print it there? Okay. You know, like, wow. I had no idea about this country. Where, where did this come from? Right. So I read a lot is the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me to be able to pick, uh, you know, some of my favorite books is really difficult because we'd have to go in categories. Um, and, uh, you know, we could talk about classics like, you know, Catcher in the Rye or Atlas Shrugged or um, The Hobbit or, you know, things like that. But, yeah. Um, uh, I thought the categories would be more interesting if they were topical to the show, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first kind of category that I've made up in my head uh, is uh, um, books about solitude. And we've spoken about solitude before, haven't we? Yeah, and it's a recurring topic for me. Um, and it's a recurring topic for me because I'm someone who craves it. Um, as an introvert, um, that anyone who knows me cannot believe that I am, but in fact I am. Episode sixty-four was called Thank Solitude. You. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's uh, uh, that is the case. And I need solitude in order to recharge. I do my best thinking in solitude. I do my best writing in solitude. It largely drives uh, the reason uh, why a lot of times my bed will go my my bed my bed will go to wife uh, two hours before me <laughs> uh, because I let her because I like that kind of quiet time that happens in between 10 p.m. and say midnight where it's just me and the computer 
and my words. And the house is quiet, and Beatrix is sleeping, and uh, and uh, and that's all it is. Um, so yeah, I, solitude is a, a and introversion uh, are topics that are really uh, interesting to me. And so uh, right now, I am reading a book. Uh, I have not finished it yet. So this first recommendation comes not having finished it, but I can tell you just being halfway through it that it's it's great. And that is uh, Quiet by Susan Cain. Um, that is about uh, the the struggle, the plight, as it were, of uh, introverts uh, in a extroverted world. And uh, just hold on a second, because uh, if you hear some typing, it's because uh, I'm looking it up on the Amazon to get its subtitle, uh, which is The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. Hmm. And it really uh, dives deep into um, a lot of the research that his current research has been done around introverts and introversion and about um, uh, how uh, recent, fairly modern changes in the workplace, like you know, open floor plans and things like that actually have had um, done with the best intentions of creating an environment of collaboration and creativity and things like that. In fact, when they actually studied the stuff, they found out that it had the opposite effect um, and that many employees, especially uh, employees in, um, in the high-tech field, um, uh, in fields like engineering and in fields like science and places where one would think that uh, collaboration would have many positive great benefits found a huge decline in productivity um, and found when they pulled the workers that no, what they, what they really needed most was a quiet office all to themselves that they could go into at 8 and leave at 5. And that that's, you know, when they got their best work done, you know, um, it just, just fascinating, fascinating stuff. Highly, uh, recommended. Um, another that I wanted to talk about is actually by, um, a place, uh, not uh, so well expected, um, which is, um, Michael, uh, Pollan, um, and Michael, uh, Pollan, uh, is probably best known for some of the um, uh, food and agriculture writing he has done, um, namely uh, a, um, a Second Nature, um, Omnivore's Dilemma, uh, blah, 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 uh, In Defense of Food. Um, he, he writes a lot about food and agriculture and its, its place uh, in society um, and does fascinating work there. But my favorite work of his, his is actually called A Place of My Own. And it really chronicles the, the building and the reasonings and the experience of um, – his building a small writer's college on his property about a hundred yards from his house. Um, and the reasons why he did so and what that meant. Um, 
that sort of thing. And this is a, a thing uh, that's common to a lot of writers I know. A lot of writers I know will actually um, – it's not enough for them to just have a room in the house. They actually will build a shed or a cottage um, uh, off – you know, on their property but away – um, because they require that kind of solitude and that kind of space in which to go and to, you know, as Michael Pollan uh, points out, uh, even if just to go and daydream. Mm. Because it is, it is from that solitude and it is from the, that ability to have the freedom to just sit and think in solitude that um, great ideas come. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I really like it. I really like uh, it's a very well-written book, and it has a, a lot of special meaning to me. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, probably the best um, example uh, of this is uh, Walden uh, by Henry David Thoreau, um, which is essentially um, – his version of a place of my own <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and probably, you know, the most famous and certainly the most famous of his works. But once again, uh, it's, it's, it's about Henry David Thoreau's um, journey in building a small cabin just outside of town on some property that belonged to, uh, actually belonged to a friend. Um, uh, that he would go and spend time living in with the idea being, uh, as he states it, um, removing himself from society into a place of solitude so that he may come back into society and evaluate society and have a look at society Um from an outside point of view. Um, and, uh, you know, once again, which is fascinating. And, and one of the books that as a writer, uh, it just, it kills, I've read it over and over and over and over again. Uh, you know, Thoreau is one of those, one of those writers that I constantly, uh, go back to. Um, as well as uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, uh, and they were friends. Uh, uh, Self-Reliance, by the way, is the uh, Emerson book that I uh, find myself uh, going back to again and again. Um, and finally, um, one last one I want to recommend, although it's more a book on meditation than it is on solitude, but as one may guess, those two things are are uh, deeply intertwined. Um, but it is a, a book called Wherever You Go, um, There You Are. Uh, and I'm looking it up um, because uh, John Kabat-Zinn, uh, I believe, uh, wherever you go, there you are. And it is, yes, uh, John, J-O-N, Cabot, K-A-B-A-T, uh, dash, Zen, uh, Z-I-N-N, uh, for you European listeners, Z for everybody else. <laughs> um, and, uh, 
once again, it is um, a wonderful book about the um, uh, about meditation practice um, and basic meditation techniques. Uh, uh, and his journey therein. Um, uh, he, and one of the nice things about it is that it was one of the first books that opened up the idea that meditation was not just this strange, hippie, transcendental sort of uh, Eastern religion sort of thing but in fact was a tool for creative and spiritual growth that anyone could do regardless of their um, their intent or their background or the purpose. Um, so, uh, you know, I would say that if, if anything, if you wanted to read books about uh, the idea of solitude and introversion and, and how to cope with this and how to cope with it in this modern world, that those four books will get you a very long way there. So when you pick up these books, are you reading them for entertainment or to learn? Like, what is your primary? You know, I... Gosh. That is such a difficult question, and I say difficult because, for me, learning is entertainment. <laughs> right? I mean... I, I should have guessed from Mr. Globe Boy over there. <laughs> I mean, the other day, uh, what was this, two days ago, um, I decided to research uh, Aramanth. I don't even know what that is. Aramanth is a, um, a, a food source, a grain that um, was actually very, very popular um, a very long time ago, like with the Incas and, and Mayans and such. Um, uh, but um, today, um, grows as a weed in many places, um, produces these really weird and wonderful purple flowering, stalky things. Uh, but... Uh, is also one of the few grains that provides um, uh, a complete protein. Um, and thus, uh, although things like quinoa uh, are more popular for that, uh, the aramanth is also another alternative that just hasn't really taken off as much here in the Western world. But I think that's just only a matter of time. I think that, you know, in the same way that... Uh, you know all the all the health nuts were talking about quinoa and uh, and talking about uh, oh gosh chia seeds and things like that uh, in the past couple of years. The aramanth is right around the corner. Um, I say but, this as a friend. Uh, I'm sorry. I say this as a friend. Yeah. I think you need a new hobby. <laughs> 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 but I don't know why I find this stuff just fascinating yeah right I, I, I but i do i i i find it fascinating i have so much fun just reading and learning about this stuff right mm -hmm. um and then i tweeted about yes i'm you know i'm, I'm reading about aramath for fun you know here's some information on it um you know and especially good for you vegetarians out there da, da, da. and uh someone uh 
Oh, and I, I, I mentioned that it's a, you know, it might be a good alternative source for vegetarians because it makes a complete protein, which led into someone uh, replying back to me, well, there's some question about whether or not, uh, you know, vegetarians really need as much protein as, you know, or whether we as humans need as much protein as we say we need. And, you know, here's some research about that. Interesting. Boom. Whole nother rat hole. I went down. <laughs> Four hours later. <laughs> Four hours later. <laughs> I now am the U.S. authority on aromath and whether or not uh, proteins are needed in the American diet. Um, no, I, I, seriously, I probably spent a good two to three hours on this. Why? For fun. Don't ever plan on writing about it. It's not something like, oh, I think I'm going to start eating aromath. You know, it's, it's like, okay, now when I come across that plant, I'll be able to point to it and say, that's aromath. Here's its history. Here's what it's used for. Did you know this interesting fact about it? Hmm. All right, let's keep walking. That kind of <laughs> reminds me of why I enjoyed Ungenius and why I miss that we don't do it anymore is that we, Ungenius is a show that we used to do on, on the network. Um, you yeah. can still catch some old episodes on the website. Um, because I used to, I would learn about really random things. Mm-hmm. You know, and then that would be knowledge that I had. Like I know an awful lot about airships <laughs> because of ungenius. <laughs> yeah, I, I I know lots about airships. Yeah, um, let me think what other things I know lots about free wheeled cars, <sighs> the Loch Ness monster, um, all sorts. Nessie, Nessie. Yeah, I know a lot about the the myths surrounding Nessie, human yep. cannonballs, flying squirrels, and sugar gliders. <laughs> Bat bombs, you know, loads of re- that, and that was that's the, that was the thing that was great about doing that show, was right? The the pointless knowledge that you would accumulate, yeah. Was fun. But I would be, you would be amazed at where some of that stuff ends up popping up, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and that while the knowledge itself may be pointless, what that does for your brain. And the areas that, that learning that kind of stuff that you didn't know before does for stimulating your ability to learn and your ability to reason it, that stuff really wakes up that slow part of the brain, right? Um, and can oftentimes fuel other creativity. Not to mention, sometimes, like I said, looking into some of that stuff can lead you down other uh, other paths that will then lead to actually useful things, right? My wife doesn't eat red meat, right? She's not a vegetarian, but she doesn't eat red meat. She will eat, she'll eat poultry and fish, um, you know, uh, or as she likes to say, she is a, God, what is it? It's a ovo, an ovo pescatarian. Right. Yeah, I've heard that. Right. Um, in other words, she's she's chicken and fish and veggies, uh, but won't eat pork or beef. Um, uh, and uh, you know, which is fine, great, terrific. Um, and, but because of that, and she even the meat she eats is relatively sparing. Um, we, I find myself cooking a fair amount of vegetarian meals. Um, and one of the things that she, um, that I've always found kind of strange is, uh, whenever I make vegetarian chili, she always likes to eat it with rice. She likes to put chili on top of rice. 
which I thought was just the weirdest thing in the world until I realized the reason why she does it. And that is because she then believes it makes it a complete protein by with the, with the veggies that are in there and the beans that are in there. When she adds the rice, then that kind of completes the protein chain. Um, and that that's the reason that she does it. Right. Mm. Well, Great. Now I know that. And now I know that, uh, in fact, she may be doing that and may not even necessarily need it. Um, that, uh, she, that the proteins that she gets naturally from the beans and the veggies might be enough. You know, not to say that you know, she probably also enjoys it over rice and that's the way that she does it. But just to say that, you know, okay, you know, maybe you know, that's why she does it, but that's not necessarily necessary. I don't know. Bottom line is, is that it, it, these things do pop up and help in unexpected places from time to time. The brain's a muscle. Yeah. You've got to keep like, working like it out. For instance, uh, you know, the, what I know about Curacao uh, allowed me to easily uh, find the uh, Netherlands Antilles on the globe uh, when I was staring at it yesterday in the pool. Uh, <laughs> We've come right back around, full circle. Full circle. So, yeah, uh, bottom line, uh, those are some of my favorite books. Um, I read for fun. I almost exclusively read nonfiction these days because I enjoy learning so much. Mm -hmm. It is one of the ways that I both relax and fuel my work. Um, Though I will say that the next book I'm going to read is great and uh, and people should run out and buy it. And this is just a last minute uh, before we wrap up tip. And that is uh, Kelly McCullough, uh, my good friend. Uh, just uh, came out with the second book in his uh, in his Blade series, um, uh, but this one is Baird Blade. Um, I recommend the first book highly. I will link to the second one, but you should follow the series if you like sci-fi. Um, he does a wonderful job, or sci-fi and fantasy. Basically, this is like a mashup between hard-boiled detective detective noir and fantasy sword fighting magic stuff and it's really fantastic highly recommended cool alright great so with that with that we'll chat later my friend we will cheers cheers <laughs>